Hey everyone, I am so excited to have guests plural with me today. We have James McKinvin and Dan Rowden of the No More Mondays podcast with us. And both of them have like basically a million projects going on. So really excited to jump into all of that today. James and Dan, thank you so much for coming on Software Social. Michelle, thank you for having us. Big listener of the show, so looking forward to seeing or being a part of it. So let's start a little bit from the top. Let's do some sort of scene setting, so to speak. So James, you are in the UK and you have six different businesses. Is that right? (laughs) It's funny. I've actually just gone onto my personal website to double check all the projects I have on. I sort of say I've got three main ones. I've got Podpanda, which is my podcast editing service, which is basically just freelancing. Um, Then I've got the Indie Bytes, which is my main podcast, which does a bit of sponsor revenue. That's sort of my main side project. And then I've got No More Mondays, which I guess is another project. And then I've got my side side project, which is Whistable Craft Co., which is hand making leather wallets. And then I suppose I've also got the course, but I'm sort of tying the course into pod panda because it's podcast and related so you've got like three and a half main projects three and a half main projects there's, there's other things i start like youtube videos and streaker was the original brand company i made that's like my limited company and it was made up using a name generator but yeah that's i, th- I think that's all i've got my blog as well is that a project i it's work i mean does it make money no 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 yeah then again, not all things that are work make money, right? Like we want them to make money. and <laughs> as, as many indie hackers know. <laughs> <laughs> and so, Dan, you are in Mauritius, uh, though originally from the UK. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And you have eight uh, different businesses. <laughs> is that right? I'm not sure. I have like four or five main ones, uh, which are yeah, ELO for Twitter and Analytics, Cove, Gloat, and Refermo. And then the podcast, obviously. Um, and I have some other things that are kind of on the back burner. But those are like the main ones. Okay, so we've got like roughly three plus more going on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Around, around five, maybe total. <laughs> okay. So we're at like an average of four active projects that you guys are working on here. And then so and then so James, your life situation, right? So so you're in the UK family kids like spouse no most people that know me know I just live alone with my cat um, <laughs> and I'm very fortunate where I live I live in a little town well a little city called Canterbury which is about an hour outside of London moved out of London to get a place of my own lovely flat love living here and my sisters literally 100 meters down the road that way my nan and granddad are 100 meters down the road that way I'm li- we're literally on the same estate so I get to go and visit them all the time my sister's got like a little niece, so I get to go and see her. She's like one years old. So I have like all the benefits of family with none of the stress of it. That sounds awesome. So did you move out of London to make it easier to be an indie hacker, basically? Like, did you have like a... No, no. You know? I, I was... I, I miss London dearly. I was in Hammersmith in West London. I always, It was like always my dream to live there. Like I'd, I'd always lived around Canterbury and Whitstable in Kent. But as sort of... COVID happened and I 
had no need to work into office. I went back and stayed with mum for a little while. And I was like, this is really nice. I get to be with family and um, I get to do a lot more with my time, like outside football team. I rejoined my tennis club. I rejoined. I was like, this is really nice. My big frustration with London was it took you an hour to get anywhere. And I was like, in Canterbury, I can just get into London in an hour anyway. So I I thought, I'm not going to be able to buy a place in London anytime soon, but I probably could in Canterbury. So I did. And that's why I moved back. Exciting. That sounds like that's been a huge shift for you, but really positive in terms of quality of life. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to say I spend less, but I don't. Um, (laughs) I I, I still go into London as regularly as I can. We do like indie London meetups where we sort of either go to the pub or co-work in London every couple of weeks. So I'm still going in regularly. Fun. And so, so Dan, so you are currently in Mauritius and I say currently because I was looking at your LinkedIn and it was like, okay, like Mm -hmm. UK and then Finland and South Africa and Saudi Arabia and Mauritius and <laughs> and like you've also got a family is that correct yes. like like so we'll take me back like what's going on there <laughs> yeah so I left the UK when I was 18 18 years ago and I haven't gone back really my wife's Finnish we met in high school in England so I moved to Finland and I studied there and then yeah went to South Africa went to Saudi Arabia and now we're in Mauritius and you have been doing your own projects for like a year now is that like you had a full-time job yeah so well, I've been building stuff I don't know for like <laughs> from since I can remember like the 90s probably um, but I only managed to like make a profitable kind of a decent app uh, about five years ago I launched my first one Subsale so since then I've been kind of doing the indie hacking like properly but kind of on the side and then the last couple of years I, I launched loads of like, like new projects that I <laughs> mentioned earlier and that kind of allowed me to then leave my job uh, in August last year. So you both have a million or average of four projects going on. And this is something you guys have talked about a little, you know, a little bit on your episodes, of course. How do you manage all of those different projects? Just first on a basic level, like how do you decide where to spend your time? Like when you sit down at your desk at whatever time of day you sit down at your desk, how do you split your day? Is it like 20-20-20? Is it like this one's screaming at me, so I'm going to work on it today? Like, is it one day of the week? Just practically, like, how does that work? Yeah, we, we answered this question yesterday on, on a, we did a Q&A episode. And my answer is, I don't, I'm really bad at managing all of them. And this is <laughs> why the single focus has come up more recently, because I wake up and it's like, Oh, I'm scrambling to do the work that I need to do. I would prefer it if I have a little bit more structure in our day. And we say, as indie hackers, no, well, maybe we'll have a little, we we don't want this structure. We're trying to escape that structure and be able to work on what we want to when we feel like it. But for me, that sometimes means I have like this choice paralysis of I've got all of these different projects to work on, all these things that do genuinely excite me, but I don't know which one to work on. Sometimes I'll work on something at the expense of a client edit, and that will get me in trouble with the client or I'll miss an indie bites deadline to do a TikTok. And it will just be, I, I don't have a very good time switching and planning between the projects, which is why I've been thinking more about what would happen for a few months if I had more focus 
on one project, which would be Pod Panda, because that is the most opportunity to sustain me and put everything else on pause just just for a couple of months and see how it goes. So yeah, my answer is I'm not very good at managing them and is why I'm thinking about changing. What about you, Dan? Uh, yeah, so I don't really have a set structure, like specific hours per day or per week across the projects. I typically focus on one for a period and then kind of switch to another one for a period. So Gloat, which is my ghost hosting, is kind of like mostly support or maintenance. So I have to do that kind of regularly, but it's not, it's just kind of ongoing all the time, but it's only maybe an hour or two a week. Um, and then Illo and Cove and Refermo are more like SaaS projects. So they're the products that I spend more time on. And so like for Cove, I released a big update last month in April. So I, I focused on that for like three weeks solid, basically, just to get that out and make sure that it was like in a good position to release. And now I'm kind of doing a phase on Illo, working on some new features and a new marketing site. And then I, I would like to get to Refermo because I kind of released a, a very early version of that at the end of last year. So yeah, I might switch once the Illo site's out and the features are out and I can maybe just focus on some marketing or like promotion for that, then I would switch my building hours to Refermo. So it's just kind of like phases, basically. That's how I manage it. But the main key that I found over the years, especially with kids and like that they were at home for almost two years during COVID, doing homeschool and stuff. So like my time was severely like restricted, was just to do like very focused, maybe half an hour, an hour. So that I would write down specific tasks for Illo that I wanted to complete each week and I just kind of tick them off rather than like a big picture thing. It was literally like how how small can you make each task and just get that done. Right. Like turning one giant task basically into a bunch of teeny tiny dopamine hits to get you through it. Right. Yeah. So James, you said something that that reminded me of a question I had for both of you. You mentioned the word client. And is that a client for your productized service of podcast editing? Or is that consulting work you're doing on top of your projects, which kind of leads into my broader question, which is, do you guys have these businesses of your own and then are also doing consulting work on top of that? Yeah, the clients are just for the productized service. Um, I did take on extra bits but realized that I really didn't enjoy it and I'm not massively good at doing work that I really don't enjoy some of that <laughs> being just marketing so yeah the pop panda for me is uh client work I think Dan you you had a similar thing where you, you were taking client work additionally and you have the productized service which is technically client work and you, you sort of increase and decrease client work and where you need to change your income yeah, so I kind of treat that again like my projects where I can do a phase of client work. So at the beginning of this year, coming back off holidays back to Europe, I hadn't kicked into gear on any of my projects. So I thought, oh, maybe this is a good time to just kind of get some money, <laughs> earn some money and do some client work. And I do enjoy working on other people's projects. So I mostly I do ghost like theme development, customizations and consultation. So yeah, I just kind of turn it off and turn it on throughout the year, basically. So now I'm going through a period where I don't really want to do any. So I've got one more client left of the last batch and then I won't look to do any more for a while. Yeah, it sounds like, Dan, you're basically, you manage your energy like really well in terms of understanding where your energy is and focusing it there. And I know, I know other people who have consulting and product work and basically use the client work as a way to like save up for the rest of the year. So they'll do like a sort of, a big burst of client work and then they'll be like, okay, and now this gives me like three, six months of runway. So I'll work on my projects. And then if 
they're not where they need to be in three to six months for me to work on a full time. Then I'll take on some more client work. And then like kind of like scaling up and down with the client work basically as they need to for their own personal income. Yeah. So luckily with my projects, I'm in a place where I don't need to do client work for like the monetary reasons because my projects kind of cover everything. But it is nice to do your focus like month or two of just gaining as much as possible. Just like because it is a lot more fruitful than the MRI you get from it's kind of quite stable. And then you get an influx of a few thousand dollars for a few projects. It's just just an extra bonus if you can fit it in. So James, I'm curious, you mentioned that you don't enjoy doing client work. And I know quite a few people who are in that boat and try to avoid it. I'm curious for somebody who is currently consulting, who would love to have a SaaS, would love to not be doing consulting. How would you contrast the experience of doing work for a client versus doing work for a customer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I've got to be careful what I say because I don't want to turn off everyone from becoming a, a Pop Panda client, right? So I, I see people that come in for editing for Pop Panda as clients. I don't know if the how you see the differentiation there between clients and customers, but all of the podcast editing clients I have I love I really do enjoy doing those but it's just not what I want to do long term so I'm happy to put commitment and time into doing more of the podcast editing because I really enjoy it whereas if there was other client work for maybe video production which is what I did for marketing stuff which is what I did before I just outright say no to it because sometimes that sort of work is less outcome based so when I'm doing a podcast edit I know that I'm really good at turning unedited audio into a produced show and I know I can do that every time and I know I can do that well for clients when there's a little bit more ambiguity in the brief there might be not so many marketing deliverables it then gets a little bit difficult because then you're dealing with what the client thinks they want you to do rather than what you think you want to do and I like doing what I want to do and I struggle when someone tells me otherwise and I found that that's why I've struggled with jobs more recently is because when someone else has said they want something done a particular way I would rather do it my way and that's where I struggle because the podcast edits they're a little bit a little bit more straightforward I don't think that kind of answers your question but do you see where I'm going with it yeah it like it sounds like when the client work is basically is something that you enjoy but it's also kind of within a very specific scope of work like it's not you know as broad as like create produce this video you know an ad for something for example versus like if it's a podcast and it's more focused and I guess it's it's sort of why we like productized services rather than just a service because there's it's, it's sort of like a halfway point between a client and a customer but you brought up an interesting question which is what is the difference between <laughs> a client and a customer. And I guess I would define that as a, a, a customer is asking you questions about how to use a product, right? Like the, the, there's a bit more distance there, right? Like they're not getting something custom versus a client is getting something more bespoke. Yeah, the bespoke custom angle is probably probably a little bit better. And that 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 is probably where the productized service sits nicely in between because it is sort of repeatable. It's a podcast edit, but it is slightly different for every every episode I do. There might be different audio branding 
they might prefer it edited in a specific way, like lots cut out versus a light edit. So yeah, that's a good distinction. And speaking of bespoke, one of your lines of business, which is, I think, a pretty unique, but also a lot of people doing stuff like this, uh, sort of craft type things, is you have a wallet making business, which you are currently holding up for me. Sorry, listeners, you can't see it, but they look lovely. And that that's something you, I think, like we talked last year on an episode for Indie Bites that actually we, we both decided not to air, but you were just getting back into... Uh, working with leather at that time. And that was, I want to say this was like October, November of, of mm-hmm. 2021. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, about then. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Oh, sorry. Question. So yeah, <laughs> I, I, I was getting... <laughs> Uh, it, it was a lockdown hobby definitely I wanted something to get away from the screens and started leather crafting first few were pretty terrible and then yeah October November last year started getting back into it around this time I was also started doing craft fairs so taking some of my crafts to local events and I was just really really enjoying the process of creating something with my hands Michelle I've never been someone handsy so being able to go from something that is just a piece of leather into something that is usable that people do also use every single day and seeing something I've made in people's hands there's a lot of my friends in the indie London community that <laughs> I've literally been at the beers with them with a pouch full of wallets and <laughs> I've like gone through their wallet going what is this come on you've got to be carrying less cards than this well I've got something just for you and it's been it's a it's a little joke between us but that's pretty funny like you you know usually you go you go to a a bar and if you're talking about your wallet afterwards it's that it was stolen while you're sitting at the bar not that you're coming home with two wallets yeah exactly exactly (laughs) it's a running joke that I am the wallet dealer of indie London um because I come with my pouch and my eyes at all like my card reader so because some people are like oh I don't have any cash I was like don't you worry I've got the card reader um <laughs> but yeah it's just it's, it's really enjoyable to do and I've been slowly getting to the point especially around that October November last year where I was getting happy with my products I thought they were really good quality and sometimes earlier out when I was just starting Maybe the quality wasn't quite there, but I say it's my size tire project. Again, I was speaking to Dan about this yesterday. What would happen if that became something that earned a lot more money? Say, a sustainable amount is 10k a month revenue, got to pay for materials. That would be me making 10 of these wallets a day, which I think would completely remove the fun out of it. But yeah, I've, I sort of chip away on it every now and again. It's very much my sandbox, I'm not relying on it for money is pretty much funded by my other projects when I have a little bit of money I'll buy a little bit of leather but this year I've just crossed a thousand pound made with it which is more than the entirety of last year so I just keep on a building that up building that up to a point where it's just a little bit more money I can have more excuse to make wallets <laughs> that reminds me of another question I had for both of you speaking of prioritizing but like you know how do you figure out which of one of the many horses you have running is the one with the most potential. I mean, in some ways, it's sort of like a core question of your podcast and something you guys are kind of wrestling with. But how do you how do you know looking at something? Okay, this is making fifty dollars a month right now, but I think it could be making a thousand two months from now versus this one that's making a thousand right now. Like that's been stagnant, or you know, this made nothing last year and now it's made a thousand pounds. Congratulations, by the way. Like. How do you guys approach that? Um, I guess we'll we'll start with you, Dan. 
Yeah, so I'm kind of going through this at the minute with Refermo, which is my newest product. I think it probably has the biggest opportunity. So it's like referral software for paddle-based SaaS products. So you just integrate Refermo and then you have a referral program in your SaaS. And because it's tied to businesses, it's like a B2B product, so I can charge more for it. And Paddle is becoming a larger platform itself. So I think if I look at them kind of uh, objectively, Refermo might have the biggest potential. I've been running ELO now for almost two years. I haven't been able to like break through a few thousand MRR and I find it quite hard to grow that fast. I used to see Twitter as like an unlimited kind of source of customers and potentially it is because there's like hundreds of millions of daily active users. But if I had to compare the two, I'd probably say Refermo has like more potential. So that's kind of why I want to bring Refermo back in. But because I want to do, I mean, I also still want to push it forward. So I still have to work on both. Yeah, it is hard to know. I mean, I think about this all the time. Am I working on the right thing? And you just, you don't really know. I mean, just, you really can't tell. Yeah, right now, ELO is my biggest project revenue-wise. So it makes sense to keep working on it and keep pushing it because it'd be kind of silly to let it die because I have other projects that could be bigger, potentially. Yeah, it's kind of hard to know. You wouldn't have to let it die, though. If if you put focus on one thing, you, it's not to say everything else is going to die. It's just maybe put on autopilot for a few months because I do think having this sole focus on whatever it might be, Dan, maybe you just spend a little bit of time working on refer mode to get it up to a point. Maybe you just pause everything else and push on illo and see the real potential of it because you just don't know what potential it has because because you it's given like it's taken up such a small slice of your mind and headspace um, until you're like, oh, I should work a little bit on illo. Yeah, I don't know. So like I said, I'm going to do ELO now and launch new marketing and some new features and see if that kind of moves the needle. And then I'll go to Refermo and then, yeah, I don't know. It, it won't move the needle though, will it? I don't know. Well, we won't know. <laughs> well, what if it doesn't move the needle? Then you're like, oh, well, because surely like a, only a small, small little bit of focus on something is not going to push the needle enough to make you think whether it's something yeah. to, to be worthwhile. I, I, I wonder what the, the time frame of it is. Would you have to put four or five months into something to really see whether it's something worth pursuing? Yeah. I don't know. I do kind of envy the people who just have one thing to look, think about. And like their long-term plan just has one product in it. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas like, I, I don't even know what's happening in like September, for example, with any of my products because I'm so kind of involved in balancing everything. So yeah, it can be hard. I know far more people that have gone from the multiple projects, serial maker to single focus that I know have gone the other way around because often those people with the single focus as well might have a mini projects within their business, but their main focus is to grow the revenue of this thing. So like Podpanda can also involve the course and another little podcast in products I might build within it. How do you think about this, Michelle? Yeah, it's really funny because I guess we had a couple of different projects in the beginning. And then we basically mostly focused on Geocodio for the past seven years with a couple of detours. And I guess I have this podcast now. I have my book, but like I don't really, I don't really think of this podcast as a revenue stream. Like our goal is kind of to just pay for its expenses, and then if it can pay for Colleen and I to meet up at a conference one, once a year, like that's like that's the goal. At least from my perspective, Colleen might tell you something very different because she's actively trying to make the transition away from consulting work and then my book yes it's revenue but I didn't write it for the money and I almost consider it more of like a professional insurance policy if for some reason there's like 
you know, like a meteor like hits my life and Geocodio ceases to exist overnight for some reason. And I have to go out and get a job or get consulting like because I have my book and people know, you know, what I'm good at and what I think about it. Then I could go out and get consulting versus before I didn't ever feel like as a product person, like it's a bit more vague, I feel like, and like harder to get consulting work. Whereas for developers, it's, you know, Matias could pick something up, you know, today if he had to. So yeah, so I'm pretty much focused on Geocodio in terms of the business side of things. And when you see our projects and having so many of them, like you can almost hear from the introductions, you're like, so you have six projects, James, and you have eight. It's almost as if it's unfathomable that we have so much. And would you think, how is it possible? Yeah, it's a little bit how like if you hear somebody has 15 children, you're like, wow, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm I'm impressed. Um, you know, actually, I'm, I'm really curious. Like, so if you guys each basically had to like rank your projects right now from one to <laughs> however many of how much money they're making you right now, but then do another ranking of the long-term potential of those projects. I'm curious like how much overlap there would be in those rankings. And then we could even go this further, but there's a lot to keep in your head at one time of like where you spend your time to. So which one is taking the most time to the least time? I guess if I can, I can put you guys on the hot seat with this a little bit. Dan, Dan can go first. Dan, <laughs> Dan you have been you have been voluntold um, to go first. So Dan, if you had to, well, we'll start with the first one. So if you had to rank your projects from most to least of the amount of revenue they're bringing in right now, yeah, what does that list look like? Okay, so I don't know exactly, but this is kind of roughly. So Illo would be top, and then it's probably my ghost themes at the moment so i also do ghost themes which i didn't mention earlier that's doing quite well at the moment and then it would be subsale which is my first SaaS magazine subscriptions uh and then it would be gloat and then cove and yeah so and then if i did uh contract work then it would kind of probably sit in the middle somewhere because I, I don't like taking on too much at time and then refermo right at the bottom because i literally just turned on paid plans a few weeks ago so and then if you had to rank them in terms of where you see the most long-term potential. So Illo and Reforma, would, I, I, I don't know how to choose between them. So Reforma would be at the top rather than the bottom. And Illo would be at the top as well as being at the top on the other list. And then, yeah, themes is hard because you have to keep making themes. And you, it's kind of very random as well. Like one theme could take off and the one, next one couldn't. Like you, you work on it the same amount of time and it just doesn't get any sales. So that's kind of like... Uh, hard to kind of gauge and then gloat and cove and subsell just kind of hover around uh gloat and cove is still under 2k mrr so they're not big products and i don't really push them hard because i'm working on other things but yeah so that'd be kind of the lower end and then in terms of like where you spend your time where do you spend the most time well it depends which what kind of phase i'm in <laughs> it kind of <laughs> mostly illo at the last few months it would be illo mostly and cove like I said, it's just a couple hours a month, uh, a couple hours a week. Subsell basically nothing, just customer support and themes. If I'm making a new theme, it could take thirty to forty hours per theme. So it's quite a lot of upfront work, and I've been trying to do one every month. Yeah. So it sounds like Illo is pretty consistently at the top there in yeah. terms of 
money it's making, potential that you see, and where you spend your time. So that's pretty aligned. Mm -hmm. But Referro is that one that's kind of like there's a lot of movement below Illo in terms of, you know, consulting is making a lot of money, but maybe, or, you know, the themes are making money, but not necessarily where you see the potential and and other projects up there right now where you're spending a lot of time that aren't necessarily where you see the future being. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of hard to judge. I think Yellow is just like maybe the one that I want to do well. <laughs> maybe that's why it's always <laughs> at the top of the list. It's like the one I have like the most passion for. Yeah, and Refermo is just kind of, it seems like it's a good idea and it seems like it could do well, but it's just so early that it's just very hard to tell. Why have you put Refermo on pause? Or like, because the idea came sort of five, six months ago. Yeah. Well, why has it not been higher up on the agenda for you? So I launched it in October, November time, and then we went away over Christmas and I didn't really do any work on anything. And then I just had to kind of schedule other stuff stuff out. So the, the Cove release and now I'm working on the Illa release, it's just kind of had to wait its time. No other reason really. Do you want to do your list? Mine. Yeah. I wrote it down and I don't know why I wrote it down because it's pretty easy to remember. But Pod Panda, because it's client work, is doing the most revenue wise. A lot of my projects aren't recurring revenue per se but you probably can take a stab at what it would be every month so pop panda because it's client work is doing the most money uh then it would be indie bites indie bites fluctuates i still get 225 pound an episode for sponsors uh, and last month i did eight episodes so technically i did just under two grand a month last month for indie bites but with more focus i'm going back to one a week and then then Whitstable Craft will make the next most money, I guess. But that, again, that fluctuates. Depends how much time I put into it, if if I get more sales. Um, and then it would be No More Mondays, which is, again, hard to... Because we've charged different amounts for episodes, so it's hard to say exactly how much we earn every month. In fact, that, that'll probably be above Whitstable Craft. In terms of what has most potential, I think both podcasts have most potential for revenue in the future. It has most potential for revenue without changing the workload as well so if i kept producing indie bites and kept growing it i can keep increasing the income of it and i very much believe in the sponsor versus podcast content relationship be interested in your thoughts on that actually michelle and i think if i just i i really enjoy doing the indie bite show and i think it has more potential and the same with no more mondays it's been really surprising how many people have latched onto this Two bootstrappers, indie founder ride along format has done. The podcast do, do have most potential. I mean, Pop Panda, you can like how big can you make a productized service? How big can you make an agency? Probably huge, but then you're increasing the workload with the revenue. And I don't particularly want to just trade my time for money. I can build out systems to outsource things, yes, of course, but I don't know how excited I am about the prospect of that. But certainly getting pod panda to a point where it's more consistently sustaining me revenue wise and then poor wistful craft at the bottom of the list of least potential for revenue i mean it's like one-time purchase i literally say if if you buy from me once you'll never buy from me again um <laughs> so yeah least potential but maybe most potential for joy yeah yeah well potential for joy would be riding my motorbike around and shooting <laughs> gopro videos of that <laughs> probably or like running a cat sanctuary or something. <laughs> uh, time spent, it would be client edits, number one, then Indie Bites, because uh, I edit that a lot. Then No More Mondays, then Witswold Craft. 
Oh, and then the course. I forgot about the course. Oh, it's because I haven't made any money with the course in a little while. That is my favorite revenue because you don't have to do anything. You sell it and like, the money just... You just forgot about it and it's still making money. Well, it doesn't make much money now because I haven't done anything with it. But when I did launch it, it was sort of just validating, can I earn some money with this thing? And I did. And every time I got a sale, it was bloody fantastic. I was like, this is great. I've, I don't have to do anything else. I've literally made the... But it turns out with a course, you have to do a lot more work to keep it going, to keep it top of mind, to keep selling more, to even prove in the course. So yeah, like that also has potential, but less of my thought has gone into it where I'm just trying to make some money at the moment. So I guess if you love the course and you also love wallet making, like... I love the revenue of the course. Wallet making course? I, I <laughs> Like maybe your TikTok videos will lead into that. Like you guys have been, both have been really pushing TikTok lately. Like not that, I don't want to be like adding to the problem here of like, you know, too scattered, right? TikTok was like another side project. Like it, yeah. in terms of amount of time I was spending on that. Because we're doing the TikTok challenge this this month, trying to do one every day. And it takes so much longer to make these little videos. I have so much more respect for actual TikTokers. Because you think about how much time you might spend on one particular project or one particular client. The TikTok, if you're doing it every day or doing multiple TikToks a day, that's easily a couple of hours. Wow. Unless you're doing a little dance, which <laughs> Dan still hasn't done. <laughs> no, you don't want to see me dance. <laughs> Me either, which is why you don't see me uh, on, <laughs> on TikTok and I consume TikToks on Instagram like the old person that I am. So Dan, James, it's been so great chatting with you guys today. If people want to, to follow along with the journey, figure out whether it's Illo or Furrow that ends up leading the race six months from now or whether James en ends up running that cat sanctuary in between <laughs> making wallets and riding around on his motorcycle making GoPro videos, where do they go to find out more about you guys and No More Mondays and your projects? Yeah, No More Mondays is No More Mondays FM. We've got a fancy new transistor theme that Dan built or at No More Mondays FM on Twitter. I'm at Jay McKinvin on Twitter. I hang out there a lot. And Dan is... DR. What handle? That's because Dan is old and he got <laughs> into Twitter very early. Yeah, two-letter Twitter account. I got it on Instagram as well. Yeah, because you also that's like, I I, I was barely even had internet then. Like I don't know if I knew how to use a phone at the time that you were getting your fancy handles. Yeah, I wonder if like uh, so Denmark's version of the BBC is called DR, and I'm like oh, I wonder if they've ever like reached out to you to try to buy your handles. I'm pretty sure they have. Have they? Why don't you sell it? Why would I sell it? Why? Because it like gives you no benefit. It looks cool. <laughs> yeah. But it's mine also. Like, it's always been mine. Yeah, but the money could be yours too. <laughs> I, I, I have no idea how much that would even... We spoke about this, didn't we? About your Instagram handle, DR, like that you don't use. And that, that, I mean, it's clout, but like, who are you trying to impress, Dan? I'm not trying to impress anyone. Exactly. <laughs> sell, sell it. Get the wonga. <laughs> All right, guys. It has been so great um, talking to you today. 
Before we go, I want to give a huge thanks to all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show. You can become a supporter for $10 a month or $100 a year at softwaresocial.dev slash supporters. Chris from Chipper CI, the daringly handsome Kevin Griffin, Mike from Gently Used Domains, Dave from Recut, Max of Online or Not, Stefan from Talk to Stefan, Brendan Andrade of Brightbits, Aaron from Tuple, Alex Hillman from The Tiny MBA, Remy from Memo.fm, Jane and Benedict from UserList, Kendall Morgan, Ruben Gammas of SignWell, Corey Haynes of SwipeWell, Mike Wade of CrowdSentry, Nate Ritter of RoomSteals, Anna Mast of SubscribeSense, Jeff Roberts from Outseti, Justin Jackson of MegaMaker, Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics, Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, John Coster, Alex of Corso Systems, Richard from Stunning, Josh, the annoyingly pragmatic founder. Yes, that's actually what he wants me to read. Um, <laughs> ben from Consent Kit, John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Cam Sloan, Michael Copper of Nucy Proposals, Chris from URL Box, Kaylee of Toslet, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Arvid Call, James Sowers of Castaway.fm. Nathan of Develop Your UX and Jessica Malnick. All of our supporters, James and Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Michelle. What a list that was. Woo. Isn't it amazing? I just, I love reading that. What will you do if that gets to like, well, when it gets to 100, 200 people? A really big glass of water. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys. Bye-bye. Huge thanks to all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show. Chris from Chipper CI, the daringly handsome Kevin Griffin, and Mike from Gently Used Domains, who has a nice personality, Dave from Recut, Max of Online or Not, Stefan from Talk to Stefan, Brendan Andrade of Brightbits, Team Tuple, Alex Hillman from the Tiny MBA, Rami from Hovercode and Rocket Gems, Jane and Benedict from UserList, Kendall Morgan, Ruben Gomez of Signwell, Corey Haynes of Swipewell, Mike Wade of CrowdSentry, Nate Ritter of RoomSteals, Anna Mast of SubscribeSense, Jeff Roberts from Outsetta, Justin Jackson, MegaMaker, Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics, Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, John Coster, Alex of Corso Systems, Richard from Stunning, Josh the Annoyingly Pragmatic Founder, Ben from ConsentKit, John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Cam Sloan, Michael Copper of Nucy Proposals, Chris from URL Box, Callie of Toslet, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Adam from Rails Autoscale, Lana and Alex from Recapsi, Joe Mazzalotti of RailsDevs.com, Proud Mama from Applenet LLC, Anna from Cradle, Monsef from Ruby on Mac, Steve of Be Inclusive, Simon Bennett of Snapshooter Backups, Josh Smith of Keyhero.io, Jesper Christensen of Form Backend, Matthew of Works Cited, Chris of JetBoost.io, Daryl Shannon of Docomatic, Larabelles, a community for Larabelle developers underrepresented due to their gender. Brendan from Feederloop. Pascal from Sharpen.page. Lynn Romick from Convini. Arvid Call. James Sowers from Castaway.fm. Jessica Malnick. Damian Moore of Audio Audit Podcast Checker. Eldon from Nodal Studios. Mitchell Davis from RecruitKit.